This is our second session now as we move forward from verse 3 in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let no one deceive you in any way. And the reason he says any way is because you remember he had said earlier, don't be quickly shaken from your mind or alarmed either by a spirit or by a spoken word or by a letter. So those three ways he's now saying, let no one deceive you in any way at all. Because, and now he's going to argue for why the day of the Lord, day of the Lord has come. It's not. It hasn't come. Some spirit or false prophecy, some letter, some spoken word had said, the day of the Lord has come. And Paul argues it has not come because that day will not come unless two things happen. Unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. And what I want to do is try to show why I think he means there is the capital T rebellion, capital R, coming, and there is the capital T, capital R, rebel coming. This, this man of lawlessness, I'm calling the rebel, because the word lawlessness here, if you think it down to the bottom, and the word rebellion here are referring to the same reality. Rebellion means that you are stiffening your neck against a approved authority, like in the church. This is basically a rebellion among the people of God as their love grows cold and they rebel against authority. And lawlessness is a declaration I don't have any law but me. So rebellion and lawlessness, pretty much the same reality coming at it from two different angles. And there's going to be a great the rebellion, not just little rebellions along the way, but the final great rebellion. And there's going to be the man, not just many men who are lawless along the way, but one distinct man of lawlessness. I'll come back and show you in a minute why I think that's the case, the rebellion and the um, rebel. But let's just notice the structure next of the, of the chapter. From right here on until verse 9, he's talking about the man of lawlessness. Let's read it. He is the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, when I was still with you, I told you these things? He keeps going. And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only... He who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one, 
will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. So everything from halfway through verse 4 to here in verse 8 is about the man of lawlessness. Then I think Paul turns to focus on the actual rebellion itself here in verses 9 to 12, and he unpacks the dynamics of how it actually happens. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they did not welcome the love of the truth. They were rebels down to the toes that they might be saved. And on account of this, God sends them a working working of delusion. So God punishes delusion with delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So much to see there in the sessions to come. But now back to my reason for saying, given that structure, there is the rebellion and the man of lawlessness, which hasn't appeared yet, which is why you know the day of the Lord hasn't come. That day will not come until these outstanding, decisive, climactic acts and person come. Why do I talk like that? Because in verse 7, it says, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Now, that's what? A.D. 55. That's 2,000 years ago. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work, which prompts me to say, oh, so there's rebellion all along the way. Indeed, there is. But if he were only referring to history-long rebellion, the argument wouldn't make any sense because he's saying the day of the Lord won't come until this comes first. And if you say, well, it's always been here, then the argument falls apart. So Paul knows there has been rebellion and lawlessness all the way along the way, but there is the rebellion coming. That's why I put the here, because that's what he's referring to that makes the argument work. Same thing with the man of lawlessness. Now, this man of lawlessness, we're going to see, exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. This is the anti-God. You know, when you read the word anti-Christ, in English, we tend to think anti means against, against Christ. And of course, he is against Christ. But this word anti in Greek means in place of. This is Christ substitutes. It's what you read about here in Matthew 24. If then anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. There he is. Don't believe it. So these are, these are Christ substitutes. They're not just Christ opponents. For false Christs. And false prophets will arise, performing great signs and wonders. So that's what the man of lawlessness does, down in verses 9 through 12. 
So people have been doing this all along the way. There have been false Christs every time someone comes along who claims some amazing substitute for the true Christ, whether doctrinally or miraculously, so as to lead many astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. Now, Jesus argues against that saying, it's already here, it's already here, don't believe it. And Jesus doesn't point to the man of lawlessness, though he could have. He points here to, for as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And therefore, none of these false Christs is true because that global lightning event from horizon to horizon with the Son of Man coming on the clouds has not happened. So, if you go to First John, you see John speaking about this man of lawlessness or this anti-substitute Christ like this. Children, it is the last hour. What, A.D., whenever John was written, let's just say end of first century. It's the last hour. It's been the last hour for 2,000 years. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. Do you see how John is thinking? He knows there is the Antichrist coming. He knows that. But so also he knows that there are always outcroppings of the lawlessness, outcroppings of the rebellion, and outcroppings of the man of lawlessness along the way, who is not yet the man of lawlessness. Here's First John 4, 3. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, yes, he is, and now is in the world already. So John is thinking the same way Paul is thinking. There are already manifestations of lawlessness and rebellion, already a false Christ claiming to be the true Christ. So I'm saying that when Paul argues that day cannot come until rebellion and man show up, they must be the man the rebel, the rebellion. So there's rebellion all along the way, and there's uh, false Christs and false claims all along the way. But Paul is saying there's going to be a crescendo of rebellion and a crescendo of the man. There's going to be a crystallizing of the spirit of Antichrist in the man of lawlessness. So that's what we're going to try to understand insofar as Paul reveals it to us in the sessions to come.